You're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Thank you. Rock Bottom Radio is brought to you by Dryject, our favorite greens management technology. Stay on top of your greens with Dryject, because when a golf course superintendent gets fired, it's usually because of something a green did. Today's topic is... Do not adjust your phone. This broadcast has been taken over by the Mad Golf Prophet. Hello, this is the Mad Golf Prophet speaking to you from deep in the forest. Golf is approaching another paradigm shift to which we will have to adapt. The last serious change came when turf got shorter and more aesthetic. When TV dictated appearance was more crucial than playability. When the number of courses tripled in order to accommodate the real estate industry. But we adapted Then, the equipment, both for playing the game and maintaining the playing services, metamorphosized in complexity. The size of the game swelled up, along with the cost to provide the product. And we adapted. There's another wave of changes coming, and we need to be aware of the next wave. We should carefully examine the warning signs, like what's happening in pro golf. That side of the game was caught off guard, probably because of normalcy bias, a condition in which one thinks that everything will continue to stay the same. The warnings are out there, like the tiny tremors that occur when the tectonic plates are preparing to move under our feet. We can't ignore what might happen just because it hasn't happened in our lifetime. One example of a warning is the fourth turning theory. It's a work written by Strauss and Howe, published around 1997, if my aging memory still works without using the goog, like most instant scholars, and fourth turning theory states that civilizations follow an 80-year cycle in both economics and geopolitics. We are currently nearing the end of an 80-year cycle. This is typically a tumultuous time, and we can't assume golf will be immune to the effects of economic or social upheaval. Rewind back about 80 years, and we find the last serious upheaval, the Great Depression slash World War II. Go back another 80, the American Civil War known hereabouts as the War of Northern Aggression, and 80 years before that, the American Revolution. These 80-year cycles are broken down into 20-year segments, and they almost always have similarities, usually in the way people behave during their era. The point of this message is that we can't afford to be arrogant and dismissive in the face of potential change, especially when historical markers are present. One of the strongest markers surfaced back during the lockdowns when the population was put under house arrest and told to stay inside unless it was essential. People tried, bless their hearts, to stay inside, but soon discovered it was okay to go out in the fresh air as long as they avoided crowds and indoor activities like restaurants, bars, and gyms, and breathing. Golf reaped the benefits immediately. So did hiking and mountain biking and hanging out in parks. You know, out in the sun where the body snatchers couldn't see you but it didn't stop there. One famous golf course located near a population center known for progressive thinking became, under government orders, an instant park. The people gathered upon this newly found park and marveled at the wonderful sand pits enjoyed by the children and the blending of nature with beautiful turf sculptures. The non-golfers absolutely loved the tightly mowed picnic surfaces. Some even asked, why can't we have this all the time? It didn't occur to them to figure in the cost of maintaining the perfect sandboxes or the picnic areas mowed at less than an eighth of an inch. But anyway, it was a blip on our radar, if nothing else. National and state parks filled up with long lines of cars and waiting lists to hike. 
Nature in general was overrun with humans enjoying the forest and the waterfalls. A mountain bike trail that we ride, normally almost abandoned, was suddenly full of Atlantans willing to drive two hours to get out of the lockdown. They just wanted to go outside and enjoy the calm and healing powers of nature. This is probably coming again in some form we are incapable of predicting, whether it's another lockdown or perhaps it'll be a liquidity crisis in the financial sector. Replay of 2008, who knows? Something is likely because of the recurring historical pattern we just discussed. Golf probably needs a new contingency plan. We already have the infrastructure, and we are nature, after all. And golf is nature close to the population centers. With all of the current cutbacks in oil production, whether due to short-sighted protesters, poorly thought-out sanctions, and self-inflicted shutdowns thought up by those in power without actual work experience, the price of oil will continue to climb. This will limit the range of those seeking to find nature. The public will not want to drive 250 miles every weekend. And don't say EVs are the answer because we all know, deep inside our ever-growing cynicism, that the electricity to charge those things comes from fossil fuels. Well, not all of it, just 80%. So how do we handle the next wave of nature seekers, especially when the big parks turn away the overflow? Maybe we could re-image golf, not only as the closest nature points where kids could come to get away from the screens, but as a source of forest bathing with a club in their hands. Golf as nature, primeval, hunting prey in a pack of four, seeking to track down that ball and bash it with a club, all while breathing air cleansed by turf and trees and reduced heat, mostly from not absorbing the hot air of propaganda. To do that, we should remove screens from the course, especially the marshal's cart and phones. Golf as forest therapy will be more popular than the real housewives of Portland or, or watching The View. Let's go back to that famous golf course I mentioned earlier. As the population increases and concentrates, the hard left and the rad greens will see the golf course either as potential free housing projects or ready-made park. Golf might need to be ready with counter-arguments regarding turf as the last cool spot in the middle of heat islands, the last places to capture runoff that grows every day with more asphalt. Golf needs to image itself ahead of time as the last wildlife habitat in those same heat islands. Some of you are no doubt tired of the mad golf prophet hollering in the wilderness about increasingly restrictive water regulations, golf's poor image, and the tendency of the red greens to ban everything. Folks, they're already trying to ban farming in Holland. These are not people to negotiate with. If they're stupid enough to ban food and damage that supply chain, they won't think twice about coming after golf. If you're one of those who suffer from normalcy bias and you think we don't need a plan for the future of golf, fine, keep doing what you're doing, more power to you. But don't think for a minute these wild-eyed, foaming-at-the-mouth radicals will need you to maintain the sandboxes and the picnic areas. Golf and your golf course is essential to the local environment, to the mental health and stability of your neighbors. If you're doing it right, whenever the local media sticks a mic in somebody's face and asks, is golf essential to your neighborhood? The interviewee should respond in a knee-jerk reaction of, Yes, golf is the last bastion of environmental balance in the cities. I got that last part from Mark Hoban, one of the leaders in the field of not only environmental common sense, but probably the leader, along with his boss, Chris Cupid, in helping people acquire a true sense of how valuable golf courses are to urban population centers. If you need ideas on how to accomplish this, just ask Hoban or Chris Cupid, the smartest man in golf, to speak to your local or state section. I'm not sure how productive it would be to go national because you're dealing with... 
Okay, looks like we're back. I got control of the radio transmission again. Well, it looks like that scientist is back. He's out there standing on his Tesla, preaching about how hot it is. Well, it is August. I tried telling him that, but he said I couldn't talk about it because I didn't have no science. You know, people who don't work outside aren't qualified to talk about how hot it is. When I said this spring was the coldest in memory, he called the cops. Did you know he has a great big thermometer attached to his little car? Yesterday, he said I wasn't allowed to talk about race and sex and banned medicines and deceitful politicians and proxy wars. He's really odd. You know, he didn't get angry when I called him a carpetbagger. He said thank you like I was complimenting him. And that if it weren't for the carpetbaggers, the South never would have recovered from the whooping they gave us. Then he said the reason there's so many churches down here is we're always praying the North don't come back down here and whoop us again. He better hope Mama didn't hear that. Uh-oh, here he comes. Hey, man, are you the superintendent? Uh, yeah, and I'm also the GM and the pro. What do you want? Listen, crusty old dude, you've got to turn off that fountain in the lake. You're wasting water. You're like hurting the planet, man. Who are you? I'm with the authorities. Here's my card. The corporate climate police? I thought the CCP was based in Portland or, or Peking. It's Beijing, and I transferred here. Had to flee that scene, man. Hey, how much does unemployment pay here? Well, not much, but we do have debtor's prison. Young fellow, if I was you, I'd jump in my Prius or Prius or whatever the thing is and flee back to Portlandia before something happens. It's a Tesla, and I do not fear your empty warning. Hey, somebody parked their little electrical car in my space. Too late. That's my Tesla. Do I detect a note of jealousy? No, you detect smoke. Your little car's on fire. What? His thermometer's on fire, too. I bet he'll take an official reading and send it to CNN. I see the fire's still burning. We almost had it out till Mama pushed it in the lake with a front-end loader, and that made the fire worse. That lithium-ion battery hates getting wet. Turns into a giant blowtorch. What about all our tools that run on lithium-ion batteries? You don't suppose that's behind all the maintenance building fires, do you? Interesting question. That public course down the road had a fire start from their cart barn and it spread to the clubhouse. Pro shop's in the maintenance building now. Ain't there any safe batteries? I reckon lithium phosphate batteries are less prone to going off like a Saturn rocket, but they're so expensive. You know what caused my car to catch fire, don't you? It's hot outside. My truck been here 50 years and ain't never suddenly turned into a giant blowtorch, so I'm guessing it's something to do with your batteries. No, it's because it's hotter now than any time in the last 120,000 years. What kind of thermometers you reckon they had back in? Probably real good ones, like the ones they install at the airport for official weather readings. You know, they put them between the runways. Misinformation alert. Stick your fingers in your ears. You gonna get us canceled. Hey, science boy, I was reading how uh, Greenland and Iceland didn't hardly have any ice back when the Vikings settled there, you know, in somewhere around 1000 AD. But now they got ice coming out of their ears. Have you ever been to Greenland? I've been to Phoenix back in 68. It was so hot I seen a hound chasing a rabbit and they was both walking. That's nothing. In 1983, Fort Bragg hit 110 every day for 10 days. But the weather map stayed green. And that was the actual temps, not some heat index conjured up to spook people. But now the weather maps are dark red. Like weather maps in hell. It ain't Fort Bragg anymore. Now it's Fort Libertine. I recall Fort Benning in 1980 hitting 105 every day for almost all of June. Lies, lies, all lies. You know why army bases are hot and miserable? Because the government always picked the hottest, most bug-infested places to put a base. Like Fort Polk, Louisiana. Guy in our platoon got picked up by a mosquito and carried off and we couldn't catch him because the asphalt roads had all melted. 
When we found him, he's flat as a busted balloon. Not a drop of blood left in him. That's our goal for you, too. I heard next January is when that new law in California goes into effect, you know, where you can't have a gasoline blower or mower or a, a trimmer. That's right. We're not stopping there. We're going after your gas cars and gas stoves and air conditioners and flush toilets and water heaters, and soon we'll need those lithium-ion batteries for us, not for mowers. What do you mean, us? I think you green reds have gone too far now. No, we have not. The singularity. We will combine semiconductors and AI prosthetics with humans and it'll be great, except for you rednecks. Your social credit score will force you to remain primitive. Ain't nobody shoving nothing into me, and that includes a battery up my- Hold on there. You talking about merging our consciousness with a machine and computers and altered DNA? Yes, you can live forever. Of course, you'll be a fairway mower or an irrigation controller. Well, then who will be left to actually play the golf? Billionaires. All right, I ain't waiting for Mama to do it. I'm gonna kill him now. Y'all see my fishing pole? It's out in the cart barn. What do you want with it? What do you think I'm going to do with it? I'm going to direct the Boston Symphony. I think he's going fishing. Ludell, you should be a detective. Booth, go marshal. No, I got enough golf balls. I'm going fishing. Booth, golfers are backed up all over the place. Me too. That reminds me, I got my lab results back. Doc says my BMI is too high. Let me see that. Yep, your BMI, that's your body mass index, is over 40. That means you're fat as a hog. A nurse told me BMI stands for BM Interruptus. Ludell, stop. I was out in the woods, left at eight, and a bear attacked me while I was... Stop. While I was, um, well, maybe it was just a big possum. Boof, go marshal, and Ludell, take your lab results and go more rough. I hate being interrupted. I'm gonna get me some lab results, too. I bet my HDL is off the charts. See, HDL stands for hard... Ludell, go tie Booth in his cart and park him out there behind the first tee. He looks dead to me. I think you killed him. Just park Booth out by the tee and, you know, we'll go full weekend at Bernie's. Might as well. have been working for the White House. Ludell, if you don't finish spraying greens before dark, I'm going to slap you into the middle of next week. Good, because Tuesday's payday and I need the money now. Oh, is it Tuesday? You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. 